The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats that were at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were there with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. For the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. May the words that I speak and the reflection of our hearts and minds strengthen us and transform us and equip us for following you, Jesus, and bringing your love to the world in the Spirit's power. Amen. Well, this is a fishing story. One of my earliest memories as a four or five-year-old is climbing down the bank on the Nambucca River with my dad through the lantana to the grassy verge and sitting quietly with my little hand line waiting for the brim to bite. It's a memory of stillness and waiting. Another memory is from Lake Eucumbine in the Snowy Mountains. Out on the lake in a tinny, choosing a spot and then cutting the motor to cast our lines. I was always fascinated by the way my dad or my pop knew where to find the fish. I was fascinated by the lures, different ones for different conditions, and the excitement when there was a tug on the line and a beautiful trout was reeled into the boat. Maybe it was that big. While Lake Eucumbine and the Sea of Galilee have roughly the same surface area, they are very different bodies of water. As you know, Lake Eucumbine was created in the 1950s as part of the Snowy Mountains scheme. The Sea of Galilee is ancient, and it forms the backdrop of so many stories from Jesus' ministry. Luke calls it the Lake of Gennesaret, 
And John calls it the Sea of Tiberias. Today, it is known as Kinneret. I've great memories of visiting the Sea of Galilee. In 2013, I stayed at Kibbutz Ginnesar while working as a volunteer on the archaeological dig at Bethsaida. Ginnesar is right on the lake, 10 minutes south of Capernaum. The lake was still and glassy when we gathered at 5 a.m. each morning to catch the bus up to Bethsaida. When we arrived back at lunchtime, hot, dusty, and ready for a swim, the wind was up, blowing from the east, and whipping up the surface of the lake. It became very choppy. The conditions changed incredibly from first thing in the morning to early afternoon. At Guinnessar, there's a very special museum, and it houses an important relic that was found in 1986. Perhaps some of you have visited there. This boat was preserved in clay on the shore of the lake, and it's dated from somewhere between 100 BCE to 100 CE. And such a boat could well be the center point, the centerpiece of today's reading, which is actually far more than a fishing story. It's the story of Simon's calling by Jesus with similar elements to the calling of the Old Testament prophets and of Jesus' mother in Luke chapter 1. So here's the pattern. A messenger from God issues an assignment. An objection follows. Assurance is offered and then there's a talking to, not to fear. The messenger provides a sign and the person agrees to the assignment. In our reading today, Jesus is the messenger who names the assignment. He tells Simon to put out into deep water and to let down the nets for a catch. Simon objects, Master, we've worked all night and we haven't caught a thing. An assurance. Yet if you say so, Jesus, I will let down the nets. Then there's a sign. They caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. Their fishermen partners came to help them, filling both boats, so they began to sink. Then there's another objection from Simon. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Jesus gives him a talking to. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Simon, James and John consent to the assignment. They brought their boats to shore. They left everything and they followed Jesus. Simon, James and John had a particular role to play throughout Jesus' ministry as disciples and then as apostles in the early church. That was their calling. And as the church today, we are part of the legacy of their decision to leave their nets and to head off with Jesus. I imagine they had no idea. And it's really an amazing thought, isn't it? That here we are today with those who gather as a church around the world as a legacy 
of the decision of the early disciples to follow. So as we continue reflecting on this reading this morning, I wonder, what is Jesus calling you to at this time and in this place? Who are the messengers that have encouraged you? What have been your objections? How have you received assurance? And have you had a talking to from Jesus, not to fear? In this calling story, Jesus says to Simon that from now on, you will be catching people. That's a funny grouping of words, isn't it? The literal translation from the Greek, if we take it word for word, goes like this. From now, people you will be taking alive. From now on, you will be catching people. So unlike the brim we caught in the Nambucca River or the trout that we caught in Lake Eucumbine, catching people and inviting them to participate in God's community of love is about release not captivity. Remember Jesus' job description in chapter 4. Stuart and I seem to both have both returned to this passage over the last few weeks to provide a context for our re- the day's reading from Luke. Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then Jesus said to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. When Simon let down the nets into the deep water in obedience to Jesus' request, there was a huge catch of fish. Water is an important symbol in the Christian tradition. The Spirit hovered over the water in the beginning. In the Old Testament, water is life-giving, bringing refreshment. God's presence is likened to rivers and streams and rain and oceans. Jesus is called the living water in John's gospel. Water is the medium of baptism. When in baptism we are immersed with Christ that we might be raised with him to serve him in the world. There's a lot of water in the water. I heard this phrase in a podcast recently while walking on the beach The speaker was describing how water is not simply water. It's never simply water, especially water in the ocean. And as I walked and watched the ocean, the phrase resonated more and more. There's a lot of water in the water. So many drops of water, all doing slightly different things due to the tide The current, the temperature, wind at the surface, plant and animal life beneath, debris, 
There's a lot of water in the water. The podcaster used this as an analogy of life in these disrupted times. There's a lot going on in our world. We are living in choppy and blustery times. People are trying to keep their head above water as they manage change in many areas of their lives day to day, still with uncertainties looking ahead. And because individuals are experiencing these things, so are communities. Communities are experiencing change as well. Work and school communities, so vital. Family communities, recreational communities, faith communities like ours. And I'm going to suggest that communities are the complex water in which life happens. All communities need people who can catch people, people who can offer release from the constraints of life that are already holding them and confining them in patterns of turbulence and confusion, perhaps quiet dejection, even despair. How might we authentically live as followers of Christ, as people who have a passion for living alongside other people, people who annoy us, people who we disagree with, people who see things differently, and especially alongside those who have forgotten Christ or for whom the church has become redundant or even despised? This is what Jesus did. This is where Jesus hung out. The poor who Jesus referred to were not always the materially impoverished. Jesus brought good news to the religiously impoverished as well, to those whose religion was stifling their own life and that of others. Jesus brought release to captives, people who were bound by injustice or fear or bound by their religion, trying to live a life pleasing to God under the burden of impossible rules and regulations. Jesus brought sight to the blind, to those who were physically and morally blind, as well as to those who were blinded by the narrowness of their religion. Jesus let the oppressed go free, those oppressed by society's opinion of them, those oppressed by the heaviness of sin and guilt and fear, and those oppressed by religious hypocrisy. The good news of Luke's gospel is that release comes for all of us through salvation and forgiveness and wholeness when we come to Jesus as we are and find our life in his life. Simon was not alone when he raised his objection. Luke's gospel is full of stories where sinners are welcomed into the arms of a loving God, a loving and merciful and just God. So as we go this morning, let's pay attention to our current calling. Perhaps it is to catch someone who is struggling to find meaning and purpose And let's bring them the good news of God's unconditional love and mercy through our own words and actions. Perhaps our calling is to catch someone who is craving a sense of belonging 
which is most people, by the way, and to help them find a safe and accepting place to call home, perhaps within our community here. Perhaps our calling is to catch someone who is the captive of oppression or abuse and to assist them to find appropriate support. Perhaps our calling is to catch someone who is blind to their own worth or to the worth and innate dignity of others and offer encouragement and hope. Perhaps our calling is to catch someone, even to catch ourselves, in the net of God's justice, mercy and compassion and be released into the love of God through Jesus Christ for the sake of others. I'm going to close with some words that were written by Bishop Christopher Coxworth when he was Bishop of Coventry. He's writing to wrap up some research that was done on the generation that we call Jan Y and on their faith and how they find meaning and connection in the church. Simon Peter is an early and very interesting case study of someone transformed by the transcending encounter with the kingdom of God in Jesus of Nazareth. His is the story of formation of an authentic self, a process that includes his renaming. From Simon, he becomes Peter. I wonder, do you know anyone who's changed their name because it more deeply resonates with who they are and their calling in life? Through his journey with Jesus, he's led into a new quality and quantity of relationships. The illusion of his brazen confidence in his own powers is repeatedly exposed, whether on the water, in the courtyard, or on the mission field, and the flaws of his own character are redeemed through patient forgiveness. His ethical perspectives are raised, eventually, from national insularity to universal responsibility. His plans to fish on a Galilean lake for the rest of his life are overtaken by his calling to cast himself out into the ocean of human need. The meaning of his life is revealed in his following of the Christ and the trials and tribulations that result only reinforce the indescribable and glorious joy that he experiences in his transformed self. We can't help but be transformed by the grace of God as we reach out to others in the love of Christ, wherever we happen to be. This is our calling today, and it will be always. Amen. Would you please?